everybody, and welcome to Take a Knee. Well, today, the day that I'm recording this is a unique day. You might know what it is. It's actually Halloween, and I was just talking with my staff friend that we didn't even remember that this was the day because it's not a day we celebrate or do anything with. In fact, what we do and have done is use Halloween as a tremendous time to reach people for Christ. So if you've got a bunch of children going out in the neighborhoods and they're going home to home, what a great time to stick a track in with the candy or to share the gospel with some children that come to your door or do a trunk or treat or, or do something that is taking advantage of all these people engaged in something. And of course, a lot of people wonder, those who do that, are you celebrating the day by even acknowledging it? Well, I don't believe that. I mean, for me and my house, we serve the Lord. And I believe the power of Jesus Christ has absolutely wiped out the power of darkness. Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords. And the Father looks down and he mocks and laughs at those who pretend, whether it be Luciferian or Satanism or Wiccan or all the different beliefs out there regarding Sam Hain, this day of darkness, the day of the dead the time between times, all the different things that have been used to describe this time of the year and, of course, this day when it comes to the seasons. But we believe in the day of the Lord, don't we? We believe that every day belongs to God, and this is the day that the Lord has made, and this is the day that we rejoice in it. Why do we rejoice? We rejoice because of what Jesus did on the cross for us and and all those things I just mentioned that, of course, God reigns. God reigns over darkness And all we have to do is resist the devil and he will flee because we're blood-bought, folks. We resist, we win, we have victory because of the word of our testimony and the blood of the Lamb and the blood of Jesus that sets us free from all darkness. And the testimony for those who know that we have confessed with our mouths and we believe in our hearts that Jesus Christ is Lord. And if that's where you stand and that's what you believe, my friend, and that's where we all are. By the time you listen to this, which might be as early as Thursday afternoon or early evening, then this time will have passed. But I just wanted to let you know this is when I was recording it. Well, today I want to talk about fun. I want to talk about fun. I want to talk about how we have fun and where do we have fun and what do we do to have fun. And I wanted to reference a database, a science database. And I have taken this from the New York City Data for Science website. And it's really neat. It's quite an extensive study on how Americans have fun. Who has fun? What are they doing? So I'm going to just, for the sake of our time today, look at the key takeaways as you go down through it. They studied various aspects of what people did for fun and what people groups were having the fun or not having the fun and how this was impacting their lives. So this is pretty cool. Pretty cool little study here, one that I don't believe is biased because it's just literally one of those things that's kind of apolitical. And so I think we can pretty much trust what we're reading here. So let's look at the key takeaways. The first one is Americans spend a lot of time in their life watching TV and movies. So that's one of the things that they looked at as they surveyed people. They found that an amazing or inordinate amount of time do Americans spend and what they would consider having fun watching TV and movies. 
So I know that's true. I think with the onset of absolute awesome TVs that have been made for us, these big screen TVs that cover half of our walls. And of course, the expansion of technology, the accessibility. You know, I was sharing that with my children the other day, you know, that when a Christmas program came on, like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, of course, I'm a later baby boomer born in 1963. Yep, that's right. I'm 60 years old. And, and so when it came on television, and I'm talking probably when I'm seven, eight, nine years old, and this show has only been out, Rudolph or Frosty the Snowman or some of the other classic children's Christmas shows that you've watched. I was just a little boy and these were all brand new. And the way that television worked in those days was if it came on and you missed it, well, you've missed it. It's not going to come on again for another year. (laughs) So what a huge disappointment if for some reason the television cut out or you had a power failure or if the way I grew up in Michigan in the North, if you had some kind of a weather issue and it knocked out your television, well, there it goes. So comparing that to nowadays where you can watch Christmas shows all year long, you can watch them anytime you want and you can download them and they're yours to keep, so to speak. So a different time, technology has changed everything. And for that reason, we really love to watch movies and that has given birth to, what do they call it? Um, Trying to think of it. When you watch on a weekend, all the different episodes of one whole television show. I can't think of it right now. It's because I don't really do it that often. (laughs) But anyway, you know what I'm talking about. And it'll come to me here in a second. But you've got television, you got movies. And so Americans, we watch a lot of TV. And so that was part of the study that they discovered that we love our television. And it was impacted almost every socioeconomic group because we all have access to telephones, smartphones. And it is amazing that they found that even the poorest of people would tend to have very good televisions and access to television. And that is just amazing. It's just that we've made this entertainment as a very, very high priority in our culture. And of course, that makes sense. And then, of course, we'll we'll come back to what that means here in a second. Let's look at the other takeaway, which was that location and income definitely shaped a person's entertainment life. So of all the things that could be done, like biking and hiking, because let's introduce that now, because there were a lot of things that people like to do, and it could categorize it into you know doing things outdoors, being a part of church life, being a part of a small group, or going to church on the weekends, traveling, whether it be internationally or locally, swimming, all of that, of course, depended on a person's where they lived in this country and the income definitely shaped it. So they did a study on the West Coast, East Coast, Northeast, the Southeast, the Midwest, and they noticed, of course, you're going to know that this is obvious, that the better the weather, the more likely people were to get outdoors and enjoy things outdoors, and that the least active tended to be those in the Northeast and the most active on the West Coast, which would, of course, affect the culture and what they would do. Now, that's not to say that people in the Northeast didn't enjoy activities in the wintertime, such as snow skiing or snowmobiling or ice fishing. Of course, ice fishing is an activity, whether that was considered kind of a healthy thing or a non-healthy thing, especially these shanties they have now where they've got satellite television. They just bring their dish with them and hook it up and They can fish and watch movies too. (laughs) But notice that the location had a lot to do with activity and what people did for fun. So the more beautiful and more accessible 
a place was. So like the Midwest, the Northern Midwest, which would be like from upstate New York, sweeping across Michigan or Wisconsin, Minnesota, the Dakotas, Colorado, and the West Coast and the Northwest, where you'd see a lot more people hiking and biking and whatnot. So anyway, location, and then let's talk about the income. So of course, the more money they had, the more activities they enjoyed that would be outside. So we all know that snow skiing is pretty expensive, especially if you go up there into the mountains of Colorado and you go to Vail and other these places. These are playgrounds for the rich and famous, you know. So the Sierra Nevada mountains there in the West Coast. So what people did, I mean, kids could go outside in the wintertime and just build snow forts and have snowball fights and whatnot. But that wasn't always considered fun. So location where you are and then the income, what they would do. And then another key takeaway was education. The education level did not affect the healthiness of one's recreational choice, which was really interesting. They looked at the education level and they saw that a lot of the more healthy activities like hiking and biking and things like that were not significantly affected by a person's having money. So there you go. So it really kind of came back to what? A person's attitude, a person's desire to want to stay active or enjoy those things which were outside. And I guess it really does tell us that, man, you can still have fun and not have a lot of money, right? <laughs> That's a great takeaway. And so you can see where they're going with this as far as activity and staying healthy and what you do for fun. And then it said to be careful when you surmise one state must have healthy or unhealthy lifestyles, since the reality can be totally counterintuitive. So they basically said that taking all the factors and jumbling them all up together, it kind of comes down to this. It doesn't really matter where you live. You can have fun wherever you live, and you can always find something fun to do and even something active to do that is good for you and yet is considered something enjoyable that would have the benefit of health to one's mind and one's body. Okay, so that really kind of brings us down to, okay, what do we do with this for us as believers, as people who are holistic in our approach to taking care of our spirit, soul, and body. So we're talking about taking a knee. And so what do you do? What do you do for fun? What do you do to take care of the temple that God has given you? You know, over the years, I have enjoyed so many different things. I wasn't always a big runner, although I have run. Several of the things that I did for physical activity, which I'm kind of paying for the price for now, was uh, team sports as a young man and biking. I love to bike, did a lot of biking and walking and running short distances, being involved in basketball. But one of the things that I've enjoyed of late in my latter years is swimming. And I always enjoyed swimming, but I enjoy swimming now and have a pool that was specifically designed to be a little longer than it is fat for it to be used for that purpose, to be a lap pool so that I can swim. And I enjoy that. Again, staying active really is helping to take care of the temple. And so it really challenged you with that to see what is it that you do in the light of television and this swiping world where we just swipe, 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 one reel after another, reel, 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 reel. And next thing you know, we've burned an hour, we've burned other things. What I also like to do is paint. I like to paint animals and various things for people. And I've done many different things as far as landscaping. And so I try to keep myself active doing those kind of hobbies and whatnot. And it's good. And I love plunking around the home. I live in an old house. There's always something to be done. And some of those projects I love, some of those projects I don't at all, but that's just the way it goes. 
But the goal here is to find what we can do for fun. Now, as for Christians, why is fun important? Well, I think when we think of the soul and our health of our mind, our will, and our emotions, especially our emotions, that what we have discovered is that having to split or divide up our time to help us not become something that, of course, is the creator of a lot of disease is stress. And so to de-stress really helps us in what this study is all about, and that is to help us de-stress by physical activity, but also those things that are mentally enjoyable. So why am I mentioning that, even talking about this today on Halloween 2023? I'll tell you why I'm talking about it, because what's going on in the world today is absolutely stressful, is it not? Wars and rumors of wars, the saber rattling and the economy and the inflation and the politics and the craziness, the fake insurrections and the real insurrections, the mind control and the narrative creating, what they call it, mocking bird media. Folks, we live in a time of absolute stress. It's all around us. And if we read a lot of news, which I enjoy doing, Now, I got to say, I don't always enjoy doing it. I'm probably even a measure of addicted to reading news, but I always try to balance that, of course, with the reading of scripture. For me, it's always, I've got an eye as a watchman on the wall. It's important for me to know what's going on so I know how to relate what I teach and preach and live for the body. And so that's important to be thinking about, but we live in a stressful period of time of history. And if we let it get to us, then folks, it can really affect our emotions. Is that biblical? Oh, yeah, it is. Paul was talking to Timothy and he said, you know, he said, you know, in the later days, the love of most will grow cold. And I was reading also in Matthew as it's speaking about what's going to happen in the latter days. In fact, I'll just bring that up. I wasn't necessarily prepared to read from it today, but I'm going to find it because I think it's important for us to remember that you know, in these latter days, we were going to experience some pretty dark times. And it's helpful to know that they're coming, that I hate to say it's normal, but that it's certainly something that we're going to face during these times. So the disciples are asking Jesus, you know, what will be the sign of all of these things happening? What's amazing is that in Matthew 24, we find this discourse of what's going to happen in the world as all prophecy tends to be kind of going from local prophecy to near prediction, near fulfillment to centuries fulfillment to perhaps not even yet fulfilled. And so Matthew 24 has that feeling. You almost get a feeling that Jesus is talking about things that are going to happen soon because they ask him, he says, you see all these stones, the temple and all its buildings is not one stone will remain on itself. And they're like, whoa, when is this going to happen? in the course of the whole teaching there in Matthew 24. And Jesus says to be looking for these particular things. Now, we know historically that it happened in 70 AD, so approximately 40 years from this time, 38 to 40 years later, this is going to be fulfilled. Rome will have had enough of the insurrections and the rebellion of Judea, and so they're going to come in and they're going to destroy the temple. The last of the Jews in that region will fight to the death, and many of them will die at the hand of the Romans or dragged off to slavery, and it's over. And you won't see anything that really takes place of any significance or consequence in that area until 
of course, you know, the Crusades and then the modern day of Israel. So what is Jesus talking about in Matthew 24? But one of the things that he does talk about is clearly the end times. And so he's not just talking about what's going to happen in Rome, as some people try to say that that's what Jesus is talking about. And he's talking about this 70 AD firestorm of Rome having enough and just leveling Jerusalem. I don't think so. In fact, there's absolutely every indication that that's not what Jesus is talking about, because he talks about the Antichrist. He talks about the apostasy and the end of the age and all of these different words that have clear apocalyptic, the end of the world. He uses Noah as an example to say, as in the days of Noah, people will be married and then one will be taken, another left. You know, again, but one of the things he describes during these latter times that would be the case, and Paul makes reference to it too, to Timothy, that the love of most people would grow cold and that it would be such a wicked time that people would be very mistrusting. People would not have this community feel anymore. And, you know, just in my lifetime, folks, that has happened. I remember growing up in my little city there in central Michigan. I don't think we ever locked our front door. I don't think we ever even worried about it. And my mom and dad would let us during the summer just go out and play. And we would play in people's backyards. We would play with strangers. We would go into dangerous areas. And it's not that they didn't care. It's just that they didn't worry. There was nothing to worry about. You know, they weren't worried about people taking us away or trying to traffic us. They didn't have to worry about all this weirdness that has been taking place in our society. So these kind of things are going to produce in us a soul that is lean. It's going to affect our fruitfulness. So I'm bringing this up really for one major reason, and that is as a Christian, you need to de-stress. You need to figure out a way to step away from what is going on in the world, at least for a time, so that you can heal and that you can continue to be salt and light, to be a person of faith, to be a person of action instead of just sitting in front of a television. I mean, you know, I'm sure those who are listening to me have heard the statistics on watching television and how our brain just kind of literally shuts down. And, you know, we're not using our brain. And a brain that's not used, of course, can atrophy. So other things that we could do are puzzles and mysteries and things like that where we are engaged reading. See, reading is different than watching television. Reading, we are activating the brain. And so reading is definitely an excellent activity in using our brain. Another huge thing that's important is our engagement with people, engagement with people in social situations. Now, they know that as we age, the more that we do that, the better off we'll be. So using our brain to challenge ourselves for activities, going outside, breathing fresh air, getting some vitamin D by reading those things which are interesting, challenge our brains, hanging around with people in a social situation where you can laugh and play and maybe travel together, all very, very good things, things we can find in the church. See, a lot of people give up on the church because they think it's full of a bunch of hypocrites or one thing or the other. Maybe they've been hurt in the past from a church. Well, we should not give up on the body of Christ for many different reasons. The most important one is that we're cautioned not to give up on the fellowship of the believers, but also it's a healthy thing that people tend to live longer as they are part of church and they pray. 
They're involved in fellowship and connecting with people, people who can care for you. You know, we've had people in our congregation who get in accidents or have had debilitating situations and they're well cared for because they belong to the body. They've made friendships, they've connected. They're not alone. So all of this is important to help keep us happy, (laughs) to keep us joyful. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. There's no doubt about it. But even the fruit of the Spirit can be challenged when we're overwhelmed by just constant wave after wave after wave. Another thing, if you're going to watch television, and I'm not saying you shouldn't, I love watching movies. I've got my library of DVDs and my library of digital content, and I enjoy watching my movies. I enjoy watching a lot of the old movies where they have no sex or violence in them. Well, maybe a little bit of violence but certainly not a lot of nudity and things like that, that almost everything seems to have now. But again, to not, you know, do it all the time. And there are downtimes. And so we should do that, but we should always be mixed with some activity. Go for a walk and go for a prayer walk, find a small group where that's what they're doing and how they're doing it. So again, on the national study, we find that our economics or where we live in a country don't really fully affect it. Maybe it affects where we do it, how we do it. But if you look around, there's always a park. There's always a playground. There's always a place. Maybe there's a lake nearby. There's always something that's near us that'll help. Maybe a gym. Let's Yeah, a gym where you can play some indoor basketball or other sports that you can enjoy. Pickleball and all these different things that are going on. These things will help us all. Help us keep that positive frame of mind so that we can continue to walk in joy even in a joyless world. Folks, I am endeavoring to do that myself in these days so that I can stay physically active and keep in some measure of shape, which is always a challenge because one of those activities that everybody loves to do, and what's that one? You know it's coming, and that is to eat. And uh, that's one that our culture has truly embraced, which of course, why we need to be more active. Our country used to be much more active. People walked everywhere, biked everywhere worked out in their gardens, out in the field. We're lifting, pushing, carrying, doing things all the time. And yet we live in a world where now that's much less. So we need to get busy. It'll help us in our frame of mind and certainly the open the door to much, much more joy. All right, well, let me pray for you. God, I thank you for these practical lessons. Lord, I thank you that we can learn about joy and how important it is. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you provide joy as a fruit of the Spirit. Lord, you also give us a mind and a body. And Lord, you have shown us how, God, this body and mind works together. And I pray that, Lord, you'd help us to find more fun and not to just fall into the old habit of just watching TV all the time, but, Lord, to become more active walking, even during the wintertime, to find something that we can do to work up a sweat, Lord, to laugh, to hang out with other believers, and, Lord, to be fruitful. So we thank you, God. We ask you, God, to help us with that. Lord, give us ideas, generate, and even provide connections with people, even for those who are listening to this that don't feel like they have any access. Lord, you can open a door. Lord, you can bring someone into their life now. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, God bless you, folks. I hope you have a wonderful weekend, and we'll see you again next time. Bye-bye.